org slash events for January 31 saluting Bradley Manning. And good afternoon. You're listening to 94.1 FM KPFA here in Berkeley and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno and online at kpfa.org. The time is now 3 p.m. Stay tuned for a stone's throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who in light, light them up, boys, there's your picture, drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is January the 15th. The Ides of January. <laughs> A whole month of Mondays. That's what January is. It's 2013, folks. Um, I was going to talk about the Golden Globes, but uh, <laughs> I seem to have forgotten my notes. It was kind of boring. Uh, there was Tina Fey, that's all that matters, and the great Julian Moore. Uh, uh, she won for the movie Game Change. That's the one where she plays Sarah Palin. So she and Tina Fey are the uh, extant, uh, the, the uh, what is it, all, all three Sarah Palins. The joke, of course, was that Sarah Palin herself is an imitation. Uh, there were a few, oh dear, what do we call that? Um, a few surprises. Um, you know, the sort of thing. I was kind of appalled at the Quentin Tarantino film, uh, Unchained, right? Uh, apparently it's time to do, uh, fantasies about, uh, slavery in the Americas. Uh, oh dear, 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 dear. I, I think I'll have to wait and do what we call a complete deconstruction of Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Oh, God help us. It's, uh, it is the opinion of some people that that's the way, what is it, that that's the way to get free. Uh, I, I went into shock last night. I was watching something else along the same lines. It was a, what do you call that, a, a body spin on, uh, our past on slavery. There was the season premiere of a Showtime series. Showtime is uh, one of the premium cable channels. It's not the sort of thing that uh, uh, most people have available. I, I like Shameless. It's about an Irish drunk played by uh, Macy, Bill Macy. Uh, he is so good. Um, anyway, they're having their third season of Shameless, and a couple of secondary characters were the ones that struck me. 
last night. Uh, there's a couple on the show, a white male and a black female, and they're they're what I call um, mm, they're everybody's best friend. He's a bartender. He's kind of a doofus. Anyway, they've been trying to save up to have a baby, don't you know? And because of the economy, they're broke. And so they've been making um, home movies, video, porno movies, in order to uh, make some money. And uh, we we see them making these home movies, and they are pretending to be Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings. You know Sally Hemings, 1M. Uh the mother and father of our nation. These are two characters that I have always considered to be very heavy duty. And these two characters on this little series, uh, they dress up in 18th century costumes and Sally is topless. She's naked to the waist and she's something to see. Uh, one gasps at the physical, uh, physical beauties of this actress. Anyway, she plays a dominatrix, and there she is, whipping old Thomas Jefferson, and I cannot even say on the radio the things she's telling him to do. She has on a long skirt, so it isn't too gross to look at, but uh, you get the picture. Uh, (laughs) It blew my mind. It took the top of my head off. I I got out my... uh, my uh, file on Sally Hemings and Thomas Jefferson, and I thought, well, I'm going to have to do this again soon. I'm going to have to go over this material, but obviously, like Quentin Tarantino's movie about uh, the unchained slave who runs amok, we're going to we're going to have some wild and crazy fantasies about uh, 18th and 19th century America. So look out. Be prepared. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Uh, there were a couple of other films that I thought uh, you might find interesting. I, I'm i never quite sure. Uh, I don't like to recommend films. I just like to mention the ones that I found at least surprising. You know, I'm not telling you their art. I'm just telling you that maybe you might want to take a look. Um there is there is a beautiful one called Desert Flower. This is not a comedy. This is a serious movie. Uh, it's based on a true story. It's on the Indie Channel. Well, no, wait a minute. Let's see. It's on Stars. Stars Premium Channel. You can get it on demand. Desert Flower is an independent film about a beautiful woman. Uh, she's from Somalia. She comes here to the United States uh, during the Somali, well, it wasn't really a revolution, you remember, when all hell broke loose in Somalia. Back in the day, what's it been, 15 years? I really have lost track of the dates. Uh, I have an article I'm going to read you about Somalia and the women there. But this movie is where you can get a a take um on this character, well, it, actually, it's as I say, it's based on a a true story. The gist of the movie: she becomes a supermodel. She's beautiful beyond belief, and she tries to have 
what we would call a satisfactory sex life or a real life. Uh, she has come to the United States as a servant. She's working at the U.S. Embassy, but she's left behind when the embassy staff uh, splits. You know, they have to go back to East Africa. They're thrown out by the uh, 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 State Department. The woman has almost no English the heart of the story is her childhood tragedy. She has suffered female genital mutilation. It is the removal of her uh, genitals, uh, in particular her clitoris. Her transcendent behavior is a kind of celebration of life on any terms. You got it? Uh, she, in actual fact, has become an inspiration to a lot of women struggling with this issue worldwide. This is a biggie. They are trying to tell the world that female genital mutilation is not tradition. It's not something particular to uh, a, uh, what, a nation or a race or a group. It is simply torture. It's an issue of human rights. Um, Eve Ensler is the person to check out if you're interested in other uh, spins on this uh, practice, which, of course, must end. Millions of women have suffered this torture. And, uh, of course, millions more are working for change. Millions of men are joining them. Uh, once again, that's Desert Flower. Uh, if you object to movies about suffering you can see this movie just because it's beautiful uh i was absolutely blown away by the uh just the physical beauty of this woman and uh the land in which she grew up talk about uh an aesthetic uh now the fun movie the uh, comedy if you like british comedy yes <laughs> is a movie called Hysteria. Uh, it's not, what is it? Uh, it's not a weighty film, but it deals with a weighty subject. I think it was clever to do this, to do this subject uh, as if it were <laughs> written, as if it were coming from the pen of Oscar Wilde, you know. There uh, used to be a diagnosis of hysteria given to women who were Oh, you know, um, a little emotional, I believe we'd call it today. That diagnosis ended in 1952. The uh, psychiatric crowd, you know, those guys. Uh, oh, they, they, I've forgotten the date when they stopped calling homosexuality a, a perversion. But anyway, uh, hysteria used to be an illness and women could have their uteruses removed and any other well anyway uh, you can check that out if you want to go on the, on the net you can find all of the horrible things that were done to women including female genital mutilation uh, in order to calm them down and get them under control yes hysteria hysterectomy I I still use the word hysterectomy. Um, I had a hysterectomy in 1963. Uh, let's see. I think they, they left me my ovaries so that I wouldn't 
grow a beard or anything, but uh, I believe the diagnosis was cervical cancer. Anyway, hysterectomies were very popular in uh, the 1960s. Uh, this movie, it's on the Indie Channel, and uh, let's see, you can also get this one. I believe it's on, I think this one too is on the Stars Premium Network. Hysteria. It has Rupert Everett. We all love Rupert Everett. He's always in the Oscar Wilde movies. He's the rich. Uh, he's a new age type back in 1880. He's the rich guy. And he pays for the education of a progressive young doctor. And the progressive young doctor goes to work for a conventional older doctor with a pretty daughter and a uh, it seems that the older doctor is practicing something that was very popular in the 19th century. Uh, it was an electric... Well, no, actually, the young man is the one who invents the uh, uh, the electric machine. But uh, what the older doctor does is manipulate women, masturbate them, to be blunt. Uh, and uh, uh, he's paid... A great deal of money for this, especially by aristocratic women. There are several plays on Broadway now uh, on this subject. Yes, let's see. What's this one? It's called. Uh, mm, mm. It's called uh, In the Other Room or the Vibrator Play. No, In the Next Room or the Vibrator Play by Sarah Rule R U H L and. Check your New Yorkers, yes. Good vibrations. <laughs> it's a trip. But the movie, Hysteria, just gives us pictures of women uh, getting off, I believe, is the expression one of them calls out. Tally-ho! That's the first one we see. They they give you, in the beginning of the movie, they give you some heavy stuff, uh the germ theory of disease is presented. We see the horrors of septicemia, infections in the hospitals. And the man, the young man who's going to invent the the uh, uh, vibrator, uh, he is appalled by the, uh, what is it, the, the lack of scientific uh, progress in the hospital. And that's how he gets, he gets uh, pulled into the practice Oh, this older guy, but, uh, yes, a good feminist woman shows him that he should do both. He should meet women's needs, uh, in the office, but he should also give some time to the, uh, uh, poor, the little hospital that she runs. You know, the sort of thing. Uh, I think the joke, of course, is that the older doctor can't well, his hand wears out, let's put it that way. Uh, so they have to invent a machine. Um, in the beginning, it was electric. Today, we have nice batteries. Uh, now, all of this, I, I have another book uh, called The the History, the Technology of Orgasm from Johns Hopkins, which is also legit. And uh, this is strictly scientific stuff. That's the joke in the movie, the uh Doctors, the establishment doctors, insist that it's all strictly scientific. These paroxysms, you see, are just um, 
Well, they're just a cure for the women's nerves, for their hysteria. Uh, anyway, um, by the end of the movie, we see that Queen Victoria herself uh, goes to bed with an electric vibrator. We see the lights going out at the palace. No, they, the lights don't go out, but we see the, the light in her bedroom go out. I think that's the way they do it. I thought they were going to, you know, have the the electricity uh, short circuit the palace, but that would have been too much. Uh, anyway, they use a fantasy to um, tell the story of what was really a tragedy, uh, women's lives, you know, uh, too many babies, that sort of thing. For some people, the opening scene will be too much. We see an older woman who's uh, suffering from septicemia uh, <clears throat> her limbs are literally rotting away hysteria I'm trying to remember what the date on this is it's a recent film it's a Victorian comedy and it does try to suggest that possibly the 19th century was the dark ages when it comes to female sexuality uh, the young doctor finally tries to explain to an elderly judge that it just might be that uh, uh, the women's husbands weren't uh, fulfilling their their duties. Uh, did I find here? Yes, John Barth. I put this in my notebook here with the uh, with the reviews of the play about good vibrations. Yes, John Barth writes. <laughs> My feeling about technique in art is that it has about the same value as technique in lovemaking. Heartfelt ineptitude has its appeal. So does heartless skill. But what you want is passionate virtuosity. <laughs> now, the question, of course is whether or not the uh, the technicians, the doctors, who are helping these women to achieve orgasms, whether or not they are involved. Now, that's the, that's the next movie we have to make. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything in this review uh, of the plays. Uh, you know, the whole notion that uh, this... But is it this treatment was still basically all about the control of women. They have to keep them calm. Uh, <laughs> yes, they have to mm, do what Virginia Woolf, yes, do what Virginia Woolf says. They have to turn them into the angel in the house. Yes, they don't. Uh, they don't want these women languishing. They do need a human touch, but uh, anyway, uh, this you can check out for yourself. I, I don't know. I think that what is that? Sexuality has become more of a. It's kind of like discussing athletics, you know. <laughs> it's not the sort of thing. I, I kind of think maybe we've got to go back to not just romance, but something to do with our emotional lives. I think we have to. Connect sex to love again. That's going to be a neat trick.
as I'm sure most of you are aware, that's a hard one. Uh, <laughs> I, I think for this, this century, it would be enough for me if we could simply end the horrific practices that, uh, uh, are still being carried on, the mutilation of women, uh, I, I don't want to, I'm not even going to use the word Muslim, uh, that's too difficult. Um, as we know, it has nothing to do with the Koran. It's all about property. And there are some cultures in which women are treated like property, like, uh, like cattle. And, uh, their sexuality is a problem for their owners. Um, let me see. I'm looking here for the, Bits on Somali women are so interesting. Uh, I'm looking here at Isaac Dennison's book written in 1937, Out of Africa, and she's talking about the Somali women, and I cannot tell here whether she really knew exactly what this procedure was, the genital mutilation. Uh, here's what. This European woman writes in 1937, she says, I cannot write much of the Somali women, for they would not have liked it. Within their enclosed women's world, I felt the presence of a great ideal without which they would not have carried on so gallantly. The idea of a millennium when women were to reign supreme in the world. Now, this is what the old mother at such times uh, seemed to personify. She would take on a new shape. She would sit enthroned as a massive dark symbol of that mighty female deity who had existed in the old ages before the time of the prophet's God. Of her, they never lost sight. Now, here's another woman, an Egyptian Marxist, uh, Nawal el-Sadawi, writing in a book called The Hidden Face of Eve in 1980. And she's trying to explain the difficulty of uh, this, oh, this genital excision deemed necessary or traditional to so many women in the East. She writes, women in Europe and America may not be exposed to surgical removal of the clitoris. Nevertheless, they are victims. They are also victims of cultural and psychological clitoridectomy. Lift chains off my body, put chains on my mind, she writes. Sigmund Freud was perhaps the most famous of all those men who taught psychological and physiological circumcision of women. Freud formulated his theory on the psychic nature of women. He described uh, the clitoris as a male organ. He described sexual activity related to the clitoris as an infantile phase. And when he maintained that maturity and mental health in a woman required that sexual activity related to the clitoris cease and be transferred to the vagina, 
And a lot of that issue comes up again in the movie Hysteria. Uh, <laughs> George Bernard Shaw once wrote that it's impossible to get women to take off their chains if those chains are respectable. Uh, pharaonic circumcision, that's almost total removal of all the female genital organs. Uh, it distinguishes decent and respectable women, that's in quotes, from unprotected prostitutes and slaves. Social conditioning in their cultures demands that women be clean and sweet-smelling for marriage. Midwives perform these excisions. That's income, of course, for uh, the women who do that work. It is a grim irony that the desire to purify the woman often results in malodorous retentions of menstrual blood and urinary debris which accumulate behind the infibulation causing infections. I have a footnote here, uh, and of course death. The most difficult thing to understand is the desire of young girls to have this procedure done because they do not wish to be different. In a tightly knit society where mutilation is the rule, it will be the uncircumcised woman who suffers psychologically. This is an article that I wrote some years ago when an Egyptian uh, writer visited us here in Berkeley, and uh, she had made films about female genital mutilation. She was unable to return to Egypt. Um, uh, her sister had died of this procedure, and her, her family was unwilling to uh, have her come home. She couldn't politically uh, uh, exist anymore uh, in Cairo. She taught, actually, she taught drama at Cairo University. Uh, let's see. Yes. She got her PhD in theater from the University of Illinois. <laughs> she's she's uh, uh, still, I believe, still working in the Middle West. Um, we talked about Alice Walker's novel Possessing the Secret of Joy. Uh, I want to read you, just because it's so sad, this story, I want to uh, read you this little bit from Isaac Dennison about the children, the lovely young children, the Somali girls. Uh, description of a child uh, before and then after this horrible procedure. Uh, Isaac Dennison writes that the little girl was ever breaking away from the domain of the family. She followed me about, rode my pony, carried my gun. She would run with the Kikuyu Totos to the fishing pond, tucking up her skirts, galloping barefooted round the rushy bank with a landing net. But with time, under the influence of the grown-up girls, she was transformed. It was exactly as if a heavy weight had been tied onto her legs. She took to walking slowly, slowly. She held her eyes cast down. Her hair was cut no more. The novice gave herself up gravely and proudly to all the hardships of the right. 
We know that whether it's foot binding in China or silicone implants in the United States, throughout patriarchal history, women have mutilated themselves just in the hope of finding acceptance in male-dominated societies. Uh, yes, the secret of joy, according to Alice Walker, is resistance. She's written a book called The Secret of Joy, and in that we discover that the secret of joy is always resistance. I will be back on the air next week at the same time. This has been Jennifer Stone. Till then, go easy, and if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. From the ones who walk in light, light them up, boys, there's your picture, drop the shadows out of This is Andrew Phillips, Interim General Manager here at KPFA Pacifica Radio. I want to announce some program changes for Saturday mornings. Just a tweak, really. Emmett Powell and the Gospel Experience will return to its original time, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Saturday mornings. And following the Gospel Experience at 9 a.m. will be Chris Walsh and Saturday morning talkies for two hours until 11. And Father Figures with Wayland Southern and Adam Mansback moves to 11 a.m. through noon on Saturdays. The Uprising Digest with Sonali Kolhakta, usually heard at 11 on Saturday mornings, has been retired. Sonali is no longer producing that program. We thank her for her efforts and help here at KPFA. So keep listening to 94.1 FM KPFA. Pledge online at kpfa.org. And thank you so much.